Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. The Guardian. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, Pete Perfidas and his parallel history of pop. Plus tracks from The Roots, Ed Sheeran and Boots and Singles Club. That's all here on Music Weekly from The Guardian. Lanra Bakari joins us. Lanra, how you doing? Hi, I'm very well. Yeah, feeling strong. Feeling strong. Good, good, good. good. What's this saga of this Michael Jackson track that isn't uh, that is uh, was touted as big on his new album? Yeah, I uh, we at the Guardian Guide kind of we're doing this daily blog at the minute. and We got kind of suckered in with the rest of uh, quite a, quite a few reputable music outlets. Mm. But 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 who's who put this track out? No one knows. It's still a bit of a mystery at the minute. Well, where was it on SoundCloud? On it was. YouTube? It was kind of. It was a stream that was that was doing the rounds. It wasn't on YouTube. It was. I don't know what it was on. Because I was confused about the story. Whether it was just completely unrelated and someone had sort of was posing as a, it being a Michael Jackson track, or whether it was just a, a really unheard, unreleased track from years and years ago, or where it had come from. Well, I think that is kind of the story. It's. It looks as if someone's uploaded it. It isn't going to be on Escape, which is the new right. album that's coming out, right. and with L.A. Reid and Timbaland mm. and this team who were contemporising all these uh, older. Which they did on the last <laughs> Michael Jackson. Yeah, which they'll probably do for the next just forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and quite a lot of people got super excited about it and were like, "This is the best Michael Jackson song ever." I think, really? Yeah, I can't remember which website said that. It might have been Buzzfeed, but um, yeah, it turns out it, it, it's just some some joker who's kind of trying it on. Right, right, right. But it is by Michael Jackson. Yes, but it isn't on the album, and it hasn't been contemporised. Has somebody? I don't know what contemporisation means. Oh, you would know. Do you not hear the last Michael Jackson? It had like fifty cent on it. Yeah. Right. Has okay. All oh, right. It's it's okay. Is Dev Hines on it? Okay. So, so that that's one thing. What what else has been going on in the uh, in the world? Lara and I were just talking about the Holler if you hear me two pack musical. Two pack the musical. Now, there's a lot of this about. It's going to be Kurt Cobain the musical. Which we talked about last week, yeah. and now there's going to be Tupac the musical. Yeah, but it's not about Tupac. No, it's going to be. It's not set on the West Coast. It's not about thug life. It's right. going to be in the Midwest. It's kind of like this Ralph Ellison style look at Black American life right. in this economically stricken part of the world. Uh, and Saul Williams, the kind of slam poet slash mm-hmm. rapper, mm-hmm. who me and my friends used to listen to his albums. And just see how long you could listen to the album without turning it off, because it was that kind of <laughs> difficult to get through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, got, it's yeah. got more in common with like Scott Walker, mm. like late Super period Scott Walker than um, uh, than, than Tupac. Um, but he's an actor as well, and he's kind of he's going to be treading the boards, and it's all it's what called, as Tupac? Oh no, as, because Tupac isn't in it. Is he? No, no, no. He's kind of I think it's called a character called Chris. Right. Um, but I think altogether they kind of all represent Tupac and what he was and what it's like to be black in okay. America. It's conceptual work, isn't it? Yeah, very much <laughs> so, yeah. And using, you know, the, the, the music of Tupac. Yeah, I think it's using his lyrics as well. Right. Okay. And, his, and his poetry. Okay. It sounds, sounds um, riveting. I think if I want to see something like that, I'd go see like the Scottsboro Boys or something, mm, like a piece yeah. of theatre, which it's is no going to be absolutely is it? nailed on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, know? fella, the musical. Yeah. Right, right, right. Fella. fella. It's got Danny Dyer in it. It's, uh, it's a <laughs> nickname. <laughs> fella, oi, fella. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be amazing. Cheers, fella. Oh. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So um, the other amazing bit of news this week is that the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, are... Forming a supergroup with the Mars Volta. 
uh, presumably specifically in an attempt to annoy me. <laughs> um, that's a stated aim in what they're doing. Just uh, two of the worst bands, right? They're just awful. Whoa, whoa, I'm... I'm Are you a I'm, Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, no, you're I'm not a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, but I'm, I, I don't mind the Mars Volta. I love Francis the Driving. the Mute fan? I like At The Driving. That was a great concept <laughs> album. It's like your little... Got your little journal here. If someone wrote... You know, turn a lot of songs into that. That'd be amazing. Turn that into a lot of songs. It'd be oh, I, incredible. I used to do the same thing with my friends when we used to listen to that album and see how long we could enjoy, and it was never that long. Did you? Yeah. Did you, you used to sit and listen to the Mars Volta. Yeah. Amazing. Because because in my school there was a sort of alternative weird kid, and she used to always listen to the Mars Volta. Right. Um, and then we made friends with her, and then she played us Francis the Meat over and over and she over. She doesn't again. sound like the alternative weird kid. She sounds like the, the soundest person. In the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're now very good friends. So it's going <laughs> so to be like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, only more prog. <laughs> is that the is that the idea? Red Hot Chili Proggers. Red Hot Chili Proggers. Yeah. That's just. Flea and the boys. Flea and the... <laughs> 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 Let's move on um, and throw open the doors of Singles Club. Lanray, your track first. Okay, that is uh, My Heart is a Stone Today, brackets unharmed, by Boots. Who are Boots? Boots is Jordi Asher, who is um, a producer from America, from Miami. And he, he was one of the guys who just kind of popped up on the Beyonce yeah. album. And he claims to have produced about 85% of it. Uh, although I think Really? Was, yeah, that's what he claims to have done. But so then he, won't be, he won't be working with Beyonce again, then, if he's taking credit for things that he... Well, apparently, there's stuff in the pipeline. He did a he did an interview with Pitchfork, and he said they're kind of they're doing stuff. Um, and he definitely did four tracks, and okay. one, one of which was Blue, which was asking mm-hmm. about Blue Ivy. Uh, and this is his solo stuff, which is I really like it. It kind of reminds me of uh, kind of Tom York Eraser era, if it was a bit more poppy. interesting. Yes, that's um, a good comparison. It's kind of got the, the I think the chorus is amazing. It's probably my favourite chorus this year. Really, wow, really, really, oh. really enjoyed it. It's um, intriguing. It's not what I expected. From I don't know what I don't know what I expected from you to be honest with you, but I just I just think it's a really good. As you say it's kind of a good pop record. It's quite but, strange, isn't it? Because like the the intro is like about a minute and a half, and it's just this kind of Philip Glass style mm. piano, and you're going, all right, fair enough. And <coughs> it just kind of kicks in, and you're like, whoa, yeah, 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 absolutely. But then, in, boots. but then in the last bit, I had to like double check that it was still the same track yeah. because it completely changes and yeah, completely changes tone and melody and uh, it sounds very strange but yeah has really he done anything it. else other than work with Beyonce yeah he's amazing. worked with uh, Kalela and he's worked with some other some other vo- vocalists and oh. yeah it's, it's looking like he's gearing up to do something I interviewed Dev Hines earlier on in the year and he was talking about how he did production for the Britney Spears album and they basically she didn't like it and threw it all out um, and then he mentioned that maybe Boots was going to be the next in line to be one of her super producers and then just booted out as well yeah <laughs> so maybe Boots boot. boot. yeah exactly um, so this is a round and about. Is this going to be a single, or um, do we know? Or? Uh, I think he just, these two just appeared online yesterday, alongside the Michael Jackson. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> definitely sure Jackson. this is by Boots. It's no, <laughs> so. another Maybe little Boots. <laughs> <laughs> little Boots. So we all like that. Yeah, that was really good. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and this is what is this on SoundCloud? Is this where? Yes, is this? this is on SoundCloud. Yeah. Okay, moving on, Kieran. This is your track. 
That's the roots. Back, back, back. The roots never stop, do they? I know. The roots will be well, after the apocalypse. <laughs> There'll be some cockroaches and the roots. <laughs> Questlove just. Questlove will be there. Just still around. holding it down with his 20 jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Poor, poor overwork Questlove. Tell us why you like this. Uh, I just like it because it sounds the same. You know, it sounds like heritage, roots. It sounds like all the elements that I really like about them. Things Fall Apart is one of my favourite albums of all time. And there's definitely a, a sense of doing the same. And I think as um, I, I've been talking a lot about listening to a lot of heritage hip hop in the last few weeks because there's the Nas Illmatic mm. anniversary and then the Madlib and Freddie Gibbs Pinata album, which is just really a sort of heritage Madlib production. It sounds very When you similar. say heritage, uh, heritage, what, what era? Are you referring to? Uh, well, to? I, I've, I, in my age, head, Daisy age. <laughs> well, I just think of very early Stone's Throw age when he's doing Quasimoto stuff, and which was when nineties, uh, nineties, yeah, nineties. When did Ilmatic come? Out? Oh, we did twenty years ago. Oh, it was nineteen ninety four. Yeah, yeah, like True School, isn't it? Like that kind of idea that that was a golden era and that's what it's supposed to sound like boom bap yeah with some samples that's hip-hop exactly and this this yeah this sounds very similar to a lot of that music that i've been listening to and yeah i think it's really good this is from the album and then you shoot your cousin which Questlove said on his blog which is released on that's an amazing title mm, i know may the 13th i think um, but it's really good. It's full of, you know, sort of satirical hip hop references to Jay-Z and, you know, 99 Problems and I think and Molly and, you know, all, all those kind of things that have paraded the rap blogs over the last few years. And they're also the kind of band who can, one of the only bands who can say things like they're on their existential grind without sounding really pretentious, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> being yeah. like, oh, God. But then you're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's Black Thought saying it, it's all right. Yeah. Line Raider, does do it for you? Yeah, I like that. I mean, I don't think you can't, you can't not like the roots if you like hip hop. I think they're just kind of like. You can not like the roots if you go and see them live because it goes on about five hours. Well, I, I went to see the. Alexis, I went to the. You actually said you were having a really great time with me when we went to go and see them. When do we go and see the roots? <laughs> oh, that was, oh, that was the thing. Yeah, but that was at festivals. So oh, they had right. to keep it, you know, relatively. Right. I've seen the roots. Oh, okay. And I'm actually amazed I'm not still at that gig. <laughs> I, went, <laughs> I went about 1998 to see the roots and I'm, I'm, I only just got out this morning, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's that kind of that jazzy thing that they're going on, um, and that's what they're all about. I went to, I, when I went to the States, actually, to interview Rick Ross, it was at the Jimmy Fallon show, and obviously they're the house band. Oh, yeah, yeah And it was incredible. Like, we were walking through the corridors, and you could hear them practicing, and they were doing the Devil is a Lie Rick Ross track, which you'd think was quite simple, but they practiced that for about three hours. Really? Uh, just kind of absolutely nailed it, went out there, incredible. I really love The Roots. And, uh, yeah, Things Fall Apart, that's one of my favourite hip-hop albums. Um, this this is good. I enjoy it. It's got that kind of boom, boom bappy edge. Mm. It's kind of, like you say, it's kind of heritage, kind of classic roots. But what I'm a bit worried about is, like, you know, at the beginning of Things Fall Apart, yeah. they have that quote from uh, More Better Blues, where they're talking about jazz and how you've got these, I think it's Wesley Snipes is saying, people don't come and see this band or in the film because you're just playing this grandiose music. Yeah. I think roots, if they're not careful, they're just going to just become this thing where it's like, mm, 
hello, this is just heritage, go watch this yeah, if you yeah, like yeah. it. not going to be that relevant. Listen but. to this, it'll do you good, I think is the, you know what I mean, the slightly worrying thing but about The Roots. I think it? the thing that, that kind of does undercut that is the lyrics, because, I mean, it's they're, they're really funny. And yeah, But I thought he's, he's really good with it. The fact he just goes in there and he'll, he'll drop silly little phrases that you've heard a million times before, but he does it in an interesting way. It's, mm. yeah. And also, so. one of, one of the, the best things about The Roots in, in terms of staying relevant on the Jimmy Fallon show is the way that they they just perfectly fit into all the backing tracks of rappers. They have people like Joe Badass and Elle Sweatshirt and, mm. you know, a slew of, of sort of new, cool rappers uh, who, who are playing, you know, have with The Roots Have we talked about after. this before? Did you ever see them... Oh, I think I might have mentioned this on the, on the podcast before. Did you ever see Jay-Z's MTV uh, Unplugged thing that he did with The Roots? Yeah. Absolutely no. amazing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, it was kind yeah. of. It seems like such a sort of. You know, oh, Jay Z's going to do an acoustic set. Yeah. But he did it with the Roots, and it was totally brilliant. Was yeah. that that was like just before the Linkin Park thing as well, wasn't it? I think. It, it was, was indeed. Just, yes. just after, and it was like, why have you? <laughs> you go from that to <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, you yeah. the win? No, they're astonishingly accomplished musicians, and uh, I I'm always glad the Roots exist. Mm. Um, and so the kind of jammier tendencies of the Roots are, are not for me, mm-hmm. and I prefer it when they're sort of concise. The one of those bands that I think you probably, it's a bit unfortunate for the roots because I think people take them for granted, and they take them for granted as kind of the conscience of hip hop, and you know what I mean. They're the, this kind of, they're the, you know, Questlove is like the guy you defer to. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's, mm. it's it's sort of, and um, that's a nice position to be in. That's a good position to be in in lots of ways. It's great to have a lot of respect, but I think sometimes you, you, that. If a band is just good for a long time, just consistently good, I think the tendency is to slightly undervalue them. You're right, and people forget mm. they have a sense of humour. Absolutely. And they're really funny. Yeah, they were very funny when we saw them uh, yeah. Saw them at uh, Bestival, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was good. Yeah. That's The Roots, uh, When People Cheer from their forthcoming album and Then You Shoot Your Cousin. Finally, my track. Love is a blaze, I saw flames from the side of the stage And the fire brigade comes in a couple of days Until then we got nothing to say and nothing to know But something to drink and maybe something to smoke Let it go until our roads are changed Singing we found love in a local rave No, I don't really know what I'm supposed to say But I can just figure it out and hope and pray I told her my name, I said it's nice to meet you Then she handed me a bottle of water filled with tequila I already know she's a keeper Just from this one small act of kindness I'm in deep, if anybody finds out I'm meant to drive home, but I don't call it now No, so we're in up, we just sit on that is Ed Sheeran. Sing by Ed Sheeran. I'm, I, I brook no argument. That's a really good record. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of... Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of Ed Sheeran's first album. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. I went to see him live, and it was, I, it was sort of amazing in that he played Brixton Academy, and it was just him for, like, two hours. We didn't have any other musicians on stage. It was him and an acoustic guitar. And he totally held an audience for two hours and acoustic guitar, and I've never seen... Anyone else do that but from Neil Young. And that's sort of, you know, I think he's kind of... What I like about this record is that it seems to just do the opposite of what everybody wants, what Ed Sheeran fans want Ed Sheeran to do, which is this kind of, you know, the A-team and this <coughs> sort of, you know, uh, worthy sort of ballad. It sounds to me like he's gone to America and basically <laughs> got laid a lot <laughs> in America. And this is kind of... Uh, basically. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> <what> David... <laughs> <laughs> That's your musical. <laughs> um, I just think it's a really good. I think it's a really good pop record. I think actually what they've done with the acoustic guitar, how they've kind of used that sound, is really interesting. Um, I much prefer this um, to the kind of earnest 
you know, Ed Sheeran. You like Sexy Sheeran. Lego sexy house. Sheeran. I like Sexy Sheeran. Mm. I like, he's also a lovely chap. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. He's just charming. Um, but that's no reason to like his music. And I, I think this is stands on its own. And I, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty, you're both looking at me like, hey, sad ass. But, um, it's just because you look so happy. You're just, you're just nice. you know, loving him. Um, what does everybody else think of the new Ed Sheeran record? Um, well, I mean, I guess I, <laughs> I guess I prefer it to him being such a drip, you know, mm. which is his mo usually. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I disagree. I feel like maybe this is what the fans want. His fans want him to be like a, more of a sexy Lothario because up until now, I've always been really bemused about Ed Sheeran as sex symbol, and for a lot of teenage girls, like they, you know, they love him, but it's more than that. Like they love him. Oh no, they were like you know, screaming. They're screaming him. Like he has yeah. that boy band quality no, yeah. in a way that you know is akin to Justin Bieber, and I've never really understood because he he doesn't look like Justin Bieber, does he? And he doesn't. No. Yeah. It's not, it's I mean, he's not a classic. Beauty. He's got boy next door, kind of right? Yeah, boy next door. That's like, right. You know what I mean? That's right. That's what I mean. Um, um, so yeah. So in in, that, in terms of that, I feel like I get it more. I feel like he is pandering maybe to that audience who are slightly older now. They're getting older and they, you know, maybe do want a bit more sex from their pop stars. So maybe he's doing that. I've got to be honest. I absolutely hated this. Uh, really, 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 really felt feel strongly about this because for me, Ed Sheeran, like in his in his earlier incarnation, he kind of represents the worst parts of British pop music in 2014 for me. Wow! Because wow. he's kind of along with bands like Cordaline and Bastille and Passenger, although he's a bit different. Is this really kind of earnest? Oh, just cringeworthy, annoying. Uh, I'm having a great. Time, no, I'm not. Rubbishness. I just absolutely can't stand it. It's just, I, I don't understand why people like it. And this for me just sounded like, well, first of all, it sounds like the intro to Flight of the Concords in terms of the, the guitar. And then, and then it just sounds like someone's trying to make him sound like Justin Timberlake. Ed Sheeran, you're not Justin Timberlake. Stop rapping. Is it, for, like, is it Pharrell trying to make him sound? Is that maybe, because it really sounds like um, she wants to move as well, which is obviously kind of classic yeah. NERD. I just, he just wound me up all kinds of rock. Wow, gosh. Yeah. It's a strong, strong reaction. <laughs> Rubbish. Amazing. Well, I like it. I think it's going to be a massive hit. It probably, um, will, it probably will be. And I've been treated to it with the rest of his albums. I think he's recorded some of it with um, Rick Rubin. Well, anyway, look, that's Ed Sheeran singing. That's around and about uh, on the internet. It's his new single. And I have every uh, belief that's going to be inescapable for the next few months. That's Singles Club. <laughs> So, David Bowie is singing about gnomes, Sandy Shaw is winning the Eurovision Song Contest for Great Britain, and Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is just around the corner. Must be 1967, and it must be Peep Feeders. Welcome, casual listener, to the latest instalment in our parallel history of pop, as seen through, you know the drill, the yellowing pages of an old music paper. It is a copy of Record Mirror, dated... April the 15th, 1967, a very exciting year in pop music. And on the cover, I'm looking at a picture of a rather miserable-looking Manfred Mann who've had a somewhat unhappy skirmish with a fancy dress shop. Uh, It's not difficult to see why they're unhappy. It's a fairly safe bet, I guess, after all that Record Mirror wouldn't have asked the Stones to dress up as Jesters and Piero dolls. But then, of course, Manfred Mann only have themselves to blame. With their single Ha Ha Said The Clowns sitting in the top ten, I guess there were not many other options. So there they are, looking miserable. Just beneath them, uh, there's Davy Jones. The latest single trumpets this advert 
from David Jones, of course, of the Monkeys, uh, It Ain't Me, Babe. It's not really his latest single, well, not in the true sense of the word, because um, this is a track taken from an album he made two years previously before he was a famous monkey, and Pi Records had bought the rights to the album David Jones, which had been initially released in America uh, a couple of years previously. It's a ver- yes, so it's a version of It Ain't Me, Babe. Uh, uh, I dread the thought of even listening to this, so I, I deliberately haven't. Also on his album, at Now in the Shops, are versions of Any Old Iron, and maybe it's because I'm a Londoner. So I think they were really sort of gunning to appeal uh, to the American market there. Record Mirror readers who, as per the invitation at the top of the letters page, uh, wanted to let off steam or had a pressing question, quote, about the scene, only had to turn to page two. And uh, amongst the letters is one from Stephen Robinson of Worcester Park in Surrey. Uh, He's written to complain about what he sees as the debilitating effect that the miming ban has had upon TV music shows. Yes, uh, at some point, briefly in the 60s, uh, miming was banned on music programmes. This is a new regulation instituted the previous August, which uh, stated that any musicians performing their music on TV had to be doing a lot more than just moving their lips in time with the music. And so a rather cross uh, Stephen writes... Top of the Pops used to feature artists on film miming to records if they could not come to the studio. Now we just see them playing ping pong or walking around the park if the record is playing. Uh, where is this footage of bands playing ping pong though, I'm wondering? I'd, I'd quite like to see it. Um, anyway, Stephen reckons that the band favours uh, drippy middle of the road acts who can perform live more easily than a band can and he blames the ballad boom there was such a thing at this point apparently on this change of regulation but there is a response from the letters editor James Craig and he's unsympathetic he says the charts merely reflect the artists who are selling the most records in a week they were never devised for one section of the business and uh, I guess this regulation also explains why the Beatles would have been forced to make those short films for Penny Lane and Strawberry Fools Forever the double A side of which, as we'll see later, is in the charts after famously being kept off the top spot uh, by one of those ballads we heard about, Engelbert Hunt-Pudding's uh, Release Me. I'm not sure when the ban was overturned, but um, if I can just be Frank Skinner for a moment, we can't send it into Room 101 because without it we would not have seen the fabs gadding about in a colourfully lit field at night pretending to play a tree that had been turned into some kind of colossal stringed instrument. Letters editor James Craig is similarly intolerant to Peter King, who writes him from Dover to say, I'm raging about the space given to the monkeys. If they can't play a musical instrument between them, it's a poor turnout on their part. But the editor uh, replies, for the thousandth time, the monkeys are playing on all their records at this time. I'm not sure if that really is David Jones's tambourine playing on their new single, Little Bit Me, Little Bit You, but I guess we'll never find out. Can music ever mean as much as it did when the idea of almost everything being just a click away was the stuff of science fiction? This is a question for me. I would like to think so. And yet, here is reader Bengt Benson from Karlshamn in Sweden, who is sounding frankly desperate. He writes, I will pay anything for the hippies' memory lane on Cameo records. 
I will even send a tape to someone to tape it for me. See that we've lost all sight of that, haven't we? That anyone could be that desperate for a piece of music. Formerly called the Tams, the hippies uh, released Memory Lane back in 1962. And in the extremely unlikely event that Bengt is listening right now, maybe we can have a snatch of that song. Uh, Page three, Record Mirror. Here's a full-page advert that announces the most significant new musical talent of 1967, the Bee Gees. The advert is trumpeting the release of New York Mining Disaster with I Can't See Nobody on the B-side. Imagine throwing away a song as good as that on the B-side. And there's an indistinct black-and-white picture of a coal mine and the Bee Gees photograph just above it. How well do you think it did then? Well, I was surprised. It got to number 12 but it was followed three months later with To Love Somebody, which surely must have gone top five, mustn't it? It actually stalled at number 41, and uh, only with Massachusetts. That's later. That, that September did the Bee Gees crash the top ten and go all the way to number one. Um, Elsewhere, big news is that Sandy Shaw has given the UK its first ever Eurovision Song Contest victory. The fact that she never liked the song in the first place doesn't get a mention in Record Mirror's report, which instead focuses on her apparently relaxed performance of the song. Maybe she was relaxed because she wasn't really too bothered about winning the thing. This, I love this, this is quite something. This is on page five, there are two brand new photographs of the Beatles in the studio. Uh, This being 1967, April 1967, we know what album they're recording, but at this stage, we don't, I'm not sure that the title had formally been announced, at least not until this moment. Uh, Headed Beatles Session and LP, the accompanying short piece says, Uh, No, EMI haven't hired their studio to the gypsies, but you must admit that the Beatles are looking weirder in every photo taken of them these days. These shots were taken during the recording of their soon-to-be-released album titled Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. This is just casually tossed off, this this title that we've come to sort of take for granted is is tossed off in this barely a caption. And I don't, I don't have any record of, of it being announced anywhere previously. But the the next, the, I've cross-referred it with an original copy of the Beatles book, which uh, appeared the following month, and uh, it's announced there. But um, I think this might be the first announcement of it. So what else do we have? We have a, uh, an interview with Eric Stewart from the Mindbenders. He's very excited because uh, they're just back from America and they talk about their first cameo in their first film, which is To Serve With Love. And the main thing Eric is excited about is that he's seen some psychedelia, which is kind of an odd kind of phraseology, but that's kind of how he puts it. He said he experienced some psychedelia a full year before it landed in this country. We saw psychedelic stuff before it was even heard of here, says Eric. But what is this psychedelic stuff he speaks of? Well, it was in an auditorium in San Francisco, and Eric says it was unbelievable. We asked all the people what it was all about, and they said, we're trying to create an LSD dream. 
The audience just sat down in the seats watching us as if they were in a trance. They were moving, splashing lights all over us, so we started using feedback and working with them. I'm not sure how much that would improve a groovy kind of love, but um, I'd certainly be willing to uh, give it a go. We're pretty much at the peak of the monkey's popularity at this point. There's an article about just that on page six, which talks about the fans' disappointment that the only British shows on their upcoming tour are at Wembley Pool, soon to be Wembley Arena. Uh, such is the expected clamour for young fans to see them from other cities that special trains are being laid on to cope with the demand. And just underneath that, it has an ad for a bunch of new singles out this week on Decca. Among them, The Laughing Gnome from one David Bowie. Uh, and if I just turn a couple of pages on, David also gets a mention in Tony Hall's My Scene column. Dig David Bowie, he writes. Uh, singer, songwriter, arranger, producer, social commentator, general all-round talent. Very Tony Newley-ish, his first LP is a gas. Uh, unfortunately for David, uh, it's also due to come out on the same day as Sgt Pepper, so everyone's going to ignore it. <laughs> Tony's also convinced that Denny Lane is due to have a monster hit with Say You Don't Mind. This really is a work of love, he writes. Although Peter Jones is rather more accurate on the previous page in his single review, which says it might be too complex for general consumption. Amongst the singles out this week, uh, we've got Jackie Edwards with Comeback Girl and uh, tipped for the top 50 are The Herd with I Can Fly. But even though Peter Frampton and future status quo keyboard player Andy Bowne number among their ranks, uh, it's not going to be a hit. They will have to wait until September for that to happen. Gossip. Gossip comes in the form of a rather snappy little column at the back of Record Mirror called The Face. We learn here that Brian Auger has bought Julie Driscoll, with whom he is in the uh, Trinity, of course, a four-foot-long tiger cub, presumably for her birthday. That's his gift to her anyway, a four-foot-long tiger cub, which, if nothing else, might explain why we haven't heard too much from Julie Driscoll in recent years. The Face column can also reveal that the Bee Gees Beatles-sounding New York mining disaster is likely to be very big, he says. And, you know, I guess he's right. And so, finally, to the charts. New entries on the singles chart this week include Maroc 7 by The Shadows, a lowly 41. It will go up to 24 and it will give them their joint lowest chart end position to date, uh, an honour shared with their previous single, A Place in the Sun. 
and it will be eight more years before they have another hit with their uh, 1975 Eurovision entry, Let Me Be The One. This week's highest new entry comes from Tom Jones with that funny, familiar, forgotten feeling, and that will peak at a respectable seven. Elsewhere, Jeff Beck is up six to 36 with High Ho Silver Lining. The Move are up nine to 30 with I Can Hear The Grass Grow. Pink Floyd up five to 26 with their first hit, Arnold Lane, uh, six places shy of its eventual peak. Cat Stevens here, heavily promoted with I'm Gonna Get Me A Gun, climbs 13 places to 21. While the Beatles drop out the top 10 with Strawberry Fields Forever, Penny Lane, and uh, up 11 places to number 11 is the very exciting sound of Jimi Hendrix with Purple Haze. The top five is a mixed bag by and large. Harry Seacombe with This Is My Song at number five. Then up 10 for the Monkees with Little Bit Me, Little Bit You. Sandy Shaw up one to three with Puppet on a String, whilst Engelbert's down one, making way for Frank Sinatra and his daughter Nancy with Something Stupid. I have been Pete Fides going through Record Mirror, dated April the 15th, 1967. This was my parallel history of pop. Take care. I know I stand in line until you think you have the time to spend an evening with me. And if we go someplace to dance, I know that there's a chance you won't be leaving with me. And that was Peter Feeders with his parallel history of pop. Uh, that's it for this week. Thank you very much, Landry, for coming in. Thank you for inviting Gracing me. Gracing this cracked out Farrago with your presence. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I got so excited. I no, 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 I just, I, I, no. I'm, I'm just hating him. It's good to have strong opinions. That's what yeah. that's what matters. Tell us what you think uh, at theguardian.com forward slash music weekly, where you'll also find links to the singles club tracks. We... We'll see you next week, won't we, Kieran? Yep. Bye. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today. No credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.